Welcome to Jeff's World with Jeff Stein, the show where social, political, economic, spiritual, and philosophical discourse goes to live. Because in Jeff's World, we never give up the high moral ground, take no political divisioners, and fight until the bitterness ends. And now, here's your host, recovering hope addict and paid volunteer in the American experiment, Jeff Stein. This this is not the time for a d- political debate about dot, dot, dot. Now, you can follow that with just about anything, and you would say it is the time for the political debate, but there's one that it isn't, and we're going to jump into that. I'm Jeff Stein with Erica Ferriston, and uh, this is Jeff's World. Thank you for listening. If you saw our Facebook post, we're going to try to get into the meat of all of these pains. Uh, but on the topic of whether or not this is a time for a political debate, I will tell you in a moment who already won that debate. Also on Jeff's World, uh, Facebook put out full-page ads in major newspapers. We'll tell you why. I'll share the reason why I love to hear what Trump supporters are saying. (laughs) I love hearing what they're saying, especially now, as well as some new understandings that I've come up with of why they still stand by their man. I want to see if you agree with that. We'll talk about one of the most important Supreme Court rulings in American history being decided in this session right now that will either pretty much destroy or restore our democracy And of course, most of all, we want to look at Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico, and Las Vegas, and what's been said out loud about it uh, from all the different perspectives, what we're saying inside our heads that we couldn't possibly say out loud, at least we don't think we could, and where, most importantly, where all that's coming from. Hopefully wrap that in a little uh, forgiveness and gratitude. And, you know, it's funny, Eric, probably like you, in the West Coast in particular, we're all doing these degrees of separation to somebody we might know that was there. Mm-hmm. You probably have a, a couple degrees yourself. I don't know if you knew somebody. I've got friends. Do, and yeah. yeah, we all know mm-hmm. somebody that was either there or shot or what have you. Uh, this one's obviously affecting deeply. And I say that because, uh, you know, first things first, those who are directly involved uh, in these recent circumstances, especially Las Vegas, you, you all have a unique uh, but not really, actually, it's a pretty common experience nowadays. Uh, but in this case, your job is healing. It's, it's dealing with your grief. It's dealing with your loss. And that is a circumstance that, that, is, that is yours that, uh, you know, we share with you and we have sympathy. and you'll... We're holding for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and we are <laughs> uh, hoping you'll get through that. But I say that in, in preface because as Erica and I talk about the different emotional ranges that people are in, uh, it may not be for you. You know, if you're in the middle of this and you're feeling like the, the thickness of grief and loss, uh, talking about the next stages up from there are, are, could really just piss you off. It mm-hmm. could upset you uh, and they could anger you or whatever it may do for you. And that may not be a good thing. So it's kind of a disclaimer mm-hmm. <laughs> to say you, we, we, we cherish you. We, like she said, we'll hold the space for you and we hope that you'll make your way through it and we'll be there to help you with that. Uh, but we're also going to go the other part because the rest of us who are not as directly involved our job is clarity right uh their job is to help each other get back out of the deep hole of grief and loss our job is clarity and because uh, we have to have it and so we can <laughs> move forward right and right now as a society not all of us believe that we can change from this helpless and hopeless space to a space of peaceful knowingness it seems like a long leap uh, for most people and not everyone sees the lessons that are being learned uh, amongst this this giant mess because we are in a consciousness of fear. 
And we are this fear. This is a collective fear that, uh, you know, facilitates events like this and saying, well, I say cause it, whatever facilitates it, but it's part of uh, the real issue. And, uh, you know, Eric and I are going to digest the the different uh, factors that, you know, you could go as far as policy and and where to go with it. But it's still the biggest uh, overriding situation for all of us is the fear. And I I just wanted to say a couple of things on it, because what is fear? Don't forget that fear is your warning system in your soul telling you you're going the wrong way. (laughs) Uh, Fear is literally, as like my my favorite authors like to say, is your GPS telling you that the thought you're having right now is not the truth of who you are or the truth that you certainly want to be or your purpose or your being or your higher self or your soul. You pick your euphemism. Uh, And so knowing that is important so that when we look at these high intensity fear moments like we're in right now, to remember that those thoughts and conclusions when we're making in those are not us. They are this uh, alternate person that we're seeing through a false perspective. Just like, you know, why is loss? Because if something is scary to you, it is most untrue. Um, And we've talked about the way that emotions tell you that. But loss, for instance, why is loss so painful? It is one of the biggest falsehoods in existence because it makes true the end of existence, which does not exist, by the way. We And whether you believe you're eternal or not, that's obviously a debate for a more spiritual show. But And that's why it feels so wrong. Because when you are in loss, you basically personify the end of your own existence. That's why it feels horrible. And it also feels horrible because it is your warning system. It is your soul. It is your Holy Ghost. It is your your consciousness. It is your quantum field telling you, right, that that is false, that you do not end. I, I have some tweaks on that. But Please. interesting. You know. You got one minute tweak or two minutes? A, a two minute tweak. There's a famous book, um, uh Guilt is the Teacher and Love is the Lesson by Joan Boyashenko. Boy- right. I read it 100 years ago um, when I was only just 100. But um, and I think that that fear, you know, fear serves in the primitive brain. It's there for a very good reason. Sure. It's what gives you the energy to run away from the tiger. Right. It's what gives you the energy to lift a car with, you know, yeah, beyond human strength, strength sure. to save a child gets adrenaline going all that stuff it's it's what gets you out of the theater when you hear gunshots yeah. happening and so i you know i there is a purpose for fear but i think that when you, one starts to make decisions yeah. from fear yeah um, that's where it can not be of service. So right. I think that when fear comes up, it's a mechanism to say what's happening, you know, and to go deeper and then to make a choice of, you know, where you want to make a conscious decision. Yeah. Yeah. Thank- so I think we're... You, Right now, we're all afraid we're going to be at some place and get shot. Right. That can be used to make good choices to perhaps prevent that, right. which would 
right. involved gun gun control legislation or what have you. But right. more so to for come those after the break. In it, it's kind of scary, but as Erica just alluded, we're going to talk about that. Coming up, sometimes the best people to talk about a serious issue we face are people uh, are the people, those who are least want to be in the debate. We are the leaders we're looking for. This is Jeff's World. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, uh, Here we are again in the aftermath of another uh, terrible, inexplicable, shocking and painful tragedy, this time in Las Vegas, which happens to be my hometown and Cleto's hometown, Cleto Sr.'s hometown. Uh, Of course, we pray for the victims and for their families and friends, and we wonder why, even though there's probably no way to ever know why a human being would do something like this to... Other human beings who are at a concert, having fun and listening to music. Uh, this morning, we have children without parents and fathers without sons, mothers without daughters. We lost two police officers. We lost a nurse from Tennessee, a special ed teacher from a local school here in Manhattan Beach. And um, it's the kind of thing that it, it makes you want to throw up or, or give up. It's too much to even process all these devastated families who now have to live with this pain forever because one person with a violent and insane voice in his head managed to stockpile a connection of a collection of high-powered rifles and use them to shoot people. I've been reading comments from people say this is terrible, but there's nothing we can do about it. But I disagree with that uh, intensely because, of course, there's something we can do about it. There are a lot of things we can do about it. But we don't, which is interesting because when someone with a uh, beard attacks us, we tap phones, we invoke travel bans, we build walls, we take every possible precaution to make sure it doesn't happen again. But when an American buys a gun and kills other Americans, then there's nothing we can do about that. And uh, Second Amendment, I guess, uh, our forefathers wanted us to have AK-47s is the argument, uh, I assume. Orlando, Newtown, Aurora, San Bernardino, every one of these shootings, the murder used automatic or semi-automatic rifles, which are not weapons you use for self-defense. They're weapons designed to kill large numbers of people in the shortest possible amount of time. This guy reportedly had 10 of them in his room, apparently legally. At least some of them were there legally. Why is that allowed? I don't know why our so-called leaders continue to allow this to happen. Or maybe a better question, why do we continue to let them to allow it to happen? Five people got shot in Lawrence, Kansas last night. Three of them died. It didn't even make a blip because this is just a regular part of our lives now. You know what will happen. We'll pray for Las Vegas. Some of us will get motivated. Some of us won't get motivated. The bills will be written. They'll be watered down. They'll fail. The NRA will smother it all with money. And over time, we'll get distracted. We'll move on to the next thing. And then it will happen again and again. And last night, the White House Press Secretary, Sarah Sanders, said this is not the time. Or actually, it was today, this morning. She said it was not the time for political debate. And um, I don't know. We have 59 innocent people dead. It wasn't their time either. So I think now is the time for political debate. President Trump is visiting Las Vegas on Wednesday. He spoke this morning. He said he's praying for those who lost their lives. You know, in February, he also signed a bill that made it easier for people with severe mental illness to buy guns legally. The Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, Speaker of the House Paul Ryan, a number of other lawmakers who won't do anything about this 
because the NRA has their balls in a money clip, also sent their thoughts and their prayers today, which uh, is, is good. They should be praying. They should be praying for God to forgive them for letting the gun lobby, lobby run this country. That's Jimmy Kimmel. I'm Jeff Stein with Erica Ferriston. This is Jeff's Word, where we feelize our way to a saner future. I started with him. and uh, Right? He I, brings I, up so many yeah, points. And we're gonna, here's we're the gonna thing. We're going to cover them all. <laughs> Anybody, when you have to be leery when you have spokespeople telling a country in shock and in mourning, now's not the time to discuss blank. Yeah. Fill it in. Yeah. That that is um, now is the time to discuss everything. Yeah. Let me- uh, you know, everything from gun control to feelings to mental health well to said. to, uh, you know, uh, racism Who we are as a nation to and, yeah, poli- racism everything and ideologies. You know, Naomi Klein, um, who's the author of Shock Doctrine, right. she put out a great uh, tweet. Um, that said, don't talk about guns after a massacre or climate change after storms or austerity after fire trap buildings burn. Talk when no one listens. <sighs> and that's what their goal is doing. Yeah. They don't want you to talk about it now when the microphone, you know, everybody's attuned to it. Right. And is listening. And um, and why is that? And and Jimmy Kimmel touches on that. So I I could go on, but I don't want to interrupt you. No, Jeff, so you're t- <laughs> so what, where, <laughs> what, what are you going to say? Me? No, this is exactly it. Chuck Todd. Uh, you know, if, if Jeff Hendrick was here, he would uh, be smiling at Chuck Chuckles Todd, who he always says is such a, you know, weasel. It's like, well, this is really patriotic. He said, when when planes flew out. Well, Despair, Jeff. When planes flew into the World Trade Center, did we say now is not the time to talk about terrorism? When our banking system nearly collapsed in 2008, did we say now is not the time to talk about financial regulation? You know, this is the only issue. That's why I started the show with this. It's the only issue where they try to pretend like, uh, I mean, of course, they did climate change with, with hurricanes, which was hilarious. So what's the common uh, thread? Of course, is a massive amount of money that doesn't want you to. But first of all, I want to I want to calm everybody. And right off the bat, give you some broad view. We are talking about this. So on the question I started the beginning of the show with, which is who won the debate of whether or not we should be talking about this, that debate is over. We are talking about this. It didn't take 24 hours for us to begin talking about what, where, how, why. All those things you just said came out immediately. And you say, well, yeah, of course, of course, of course. Well, remember your context. Five, six, ten years ago, I remember... When there was a big mass shooting, especially when we were younger, you and I, Erica, when there was a mass shooting, we the news spent several days just replaying and talking about the tragedy and the reasons and this and that. And there was zero discussion of whether it was a problem. It was just, you know, let's just go to the, the gut-wrenching part of all the experience. And now we jumped into the debate, bam, just like that. Be encouraged a little bit by that. It's ugly. Yeah. It ain't pretty. Well, let's and it's talk hard, about it. But we went in quick. So go ahead. Let's talk about it because um, right now you have uh, moving through legislation um, a couple of laws that are going to make mass shootings even uh, deadlier. Yeah. Um, one of the um, bills or uh, the industry sponsored bill is called. The SHARE Act, which is the Sportsman Heritage and Recreational Enhancement Act. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> There's some Orwellian words for you. I know. Exactly. Yeah, it's for sportsmen and hunters. Is this the one where they want to put the silencers in? So this is the one where they would deregulate the sale of silencers. Why? You drew their logic? To protect the hearing of gun owners. Mm-hmm. Now, Again, that sounds... that's really Orwellian BS right, right, right there. I mean, everyone can smell that BS in two seconds. So <laughs> so they are pushing that. And when I say they, the Republican leaders are pushing that. That's a fact. Yeah, you know. look it up. This isn't a partisan statement. And um, let's see. Um, and so can we talk about the impact of that for a second? Go ahead. Because imagine, I don't mean, I don't, I'm not usually a guy who likes to do the imagine how bad it could be because I don't think that's very healthy, but it's pretty clear that silencers would have made uh, Wednesday, you know, Monday's uh, or Sunday night's uh, Vegas incident a thousand times worse because you would have no idea where it was coming from and it would just keep happening and you just wouldn't know. Well, the gunshot, hearing the gunshots is what alerted so many yes. people, right? Yeah. There's gunshots and then they were leaving and you know, like you say, imagine what it would look like is you would just see, I mean, a person fall there, a person fall there, yeah. a person fall there. It would have le- less people would have. I mean, you wouldn't know what like, it would take it, you a while to figure out what it would was going take on. you so and if, long. And even if you were standing next to them, it would take you a minute to figure out what was going on a second to take it. You know, let alone if you were on their side of the, you know, the event. Yeah, so this is this is being um, pushed by Jeff Duncan from South Carolina. <laughs> nice. And also, this is Donald Trump Jr.'s uh, yes. pet project. Yes. He has aligned himself with the, um, the largest silen- gun silencer manufacturer in the country, which is called Silencer Co. Yeah. And uh, the NRA and gun manufacturers. And he even was in a promotional video. Got a little click. Got 20 seconds. Oh, you want to hear there it? There you go. Here's Play Donald it. Trump, uh, Donald Trump Jr. doing a promo for the silencer company. And the Second Amendment for us, you know, for me, it's not just a passion and a hobby that I do every every weekend. I mean, it's a lifestyle. It's it's the sec- it's the thing that they thought of that our founding fathers thought of right after free speech and religion. I mean, this wasn't an afterthought afterwards. I mean, it's a basic right of an American. And we have to defend that. I mean, this wasn't an afterthought you know, years later. I mean, this is, I mean, the, the most basic aspect being the first, the second to protect that. And, you know, that, that can't be at risk. And, you know, I played that clip. I didn't play the other clips where he just said gross stuff about silencers and, and shooting and all that sort of thing. Because I wanted, you to, I wanted to play the part that is the corporate talking point line. That he's basically fed. He didn't have any. He didn't have any trouble being fed it because he just jumps right into the hysteria of it. Oh, it's Second Amendment. It's like a religion. You know, we have to nothing to infringe upon it. So, yeah, Donald Trump right in the middle of it. Uh, so, Don- so yeah. So right now they're pushing this law that would make there. There's. I mean. Silencer, come on, has nothing yeah. to do with with Second Amendment rights. Nope. It has nothing to do with self protection. Nope. Uh, really, nothing to do with hunting. I mean, it's just it's absurd. You know, Senator Chris Murphy was on the floor the other day, yeah. and he said. Um, the hurt is deep. The scars are wide in Newtown, but they are made wider by the fact that this body in four and a half years has done absolutely nothing to reduce the likelihood of another mass shooting. And indeed, because we have done nothing, the mass shootings continue. Yeah. And I am a big proponent of taking action. Yeah. 
And this is the time to do something and demand that gun safety laws get on the books now and get passed, such as background checks. Yeah. Such as stopping this type of legislation from going through. There's another uh, piece of legislation that's also going through that um, it's called the Concealed Carry Reciprocity, and it would allow someone who has a concealed carry permit in one state to then uh, take it across state borders into states with stricter gun control laws and still be able to conceal and carry. So just basically null and voids the stricter, you know, state with uh, stricter gun control laws. And by the way, if you think that, uh, you know, Donald Trump says, as Kimmy, Jimmy Kimmel points out, Donald Trump's uh, statement from from Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Sanders was not his, meaning that we're not going to talk about this later. Uh, let me play a little clip just this morning, happened minutes ago from taping, uh, where Donald Trump in Vegas first begins, you can listen, first it's full narcissism about how great everything is, which I'll just let you bear through until he gets to the punchline of, of what he's going to do. I think uh, the only message I can say is that we're with you 100 percent. We are, uh, in fact, I invited a lot of them over to the White House. I said, if you ever heard Washington, come on over to the Oval Office. And they're all saying, we want to do it. How do we do it? And believe me, I'll be there for them. But uh, the message that I have is we have a great country and we are there for you. And uh, and they're there for us. They're there for us. Gun violence problem. We're not going to talk about that today. We won't talk about that. We're not going to talk about that today. We won't talk about that. That's that was the statement this morning. Well, we will talk about yeah, it. Yeah. And we And we are and it's and on. So <laughs> here here's the thing that 90% of Americans agree that there should yeah. be background checks. Yeah, this is a done. So this is um and it's been this way. When you know Chris Murphy talks we haven't done anything in four and a half years ago. Four and a half years ago, 90% of Americans agreed on having background checks. And that to me says, wake up people, because in a democracy, when 90% of people want something, their representatives do it. And the NRA, this is not a democracy because our legislators haven't done it on both sides of the aisle, Republicans and Democrats. And this is because the NRA either buys the people that are in office and if they're not going to be bought they primary them and then buy their candidate and puts them in office and by the way it's either 73 or 78 percent of nra members also want uh background checks and so the nra board is not even listening to what the NRA members want. Coming up, let's explain that. I'm going to explain the depth of that stranglehold and how their fear plays out and how we can get through that because we are moving through that. And that's the kind of thing we talk about here on Jeff Squirrel. This is Jeff's World, the place where social, political, popular, and unpopular culture, we see it through the lens of possibility purpose and grab at your soul and try to find the way forward. That's the point. I'm Jeff Stein with Eric Ferriston. And uh, I brought on Jimmy Kimmel in the beginning, and I want to play a little more because, again, 
this is why I know this debate is happening now and it's and it's happening for those who are concerned that we're not going to get through this. Oh, we're getting through it right now. It has reached the fever pitch when when comedians and folks, I'm mean, not comedians always do, but when late night, when people who have every financial incentive and no reason to, to stay away from these topics uh, just can't do anything else. Folks who don't want to talk about it, Jimmy Kimmel, the reluctant uh, <laughs> participant in this. Let me let me give you a, a little more taste, if you don't mind. And, um, you know, I want this to be a comedy show. I hate talking about stuff like this. I just want to, you know, laugh about things every night. But that, it seems to be coming uh, increasingly difficult lately. It, it feels like someone has opened a, a window into hell. And what I'm talking about tonight isn't about gun control. It's about common sense. In 1980, we had a big fire at the MGM Hotel in Las Vegas. It was horrible, right? I mean, 85 people died. You could see the fire. I mean, I was was 13 years old. I'll never forget a man jumped out the window. Uh, It was a terrible thing to see. And then a few months later, there was another fire at the Hilton, and five people died. So you know what they did? They changed the laws. They made major changes to the fire safety codes, and it hasn't happened again. Why would we approach this differently? It's a public safety issue. And something needs to be done already. So tell your Congress people to do something. I mean, it's not enough to send your love and prayers. And we do. We send our, our love and support and whatever else is needed to Las Vegas and to the families from all over the country and Canada who had the worst night of their lives last night. You know, Vegas is a funny town. It's easy to forget people live there. But... <laughs> They do. I mean, lots of good people. These people showed up in droves today to donate blood because it's the only thing they could do to our family and friends in Las Vegas and to everyone affected by this terrible event. I'm sorry for getting emotional. I'm I'm not great with this kind of thing. Uh, But I just think it's important, you know? So... That's why it's some of the best testimonies, the people who don't want to testify, so to speak, the ones who, and I mean, in a religious sense, not a, not a court sense. It's interesting watching Jimmy Kimmel after he's become a father. Yeah, right? I mean, he was just kind of this goofy guy, and now he takes the life, takes the world real seriously. That's why I always say when you have kids, it does change you in that way. Uh, I, I, like, I really appreciate when he says, because I find that this is often used to manipulate and to control like when Sarah Huckabee said, you know, this is not a time to, to talk about guns. This is a time for prayer. Pray all you want. Nobody's saying don't pray. Yeah, we have to keep praying. You can pray and you can take action. Yeah, it's in the Bible, actually. Action, uh, good deeds. If, if prayer is not followed with good deeds, I can't remember the exact quote. I apologize. That's exactly right. But. And so, you know, avoid that trap. You can pray while you're doing that, while you're taking the action. There's nothing to stop you from praying, but prayers are not enough. There's a there's an old joke about that I think really makes the point. Uh, There's a flood and this guy is like praying, oh, you know, Jesus, come and save me. And 
guy comes by in a boat and says, get in the boat. And he said, no, Jesus is going to save me. And then the floods keep rising and he's up on the roof and, you know, guy comes by with a truck and says, hop on down, you know, or whatever boat, the ladder, get get on this ladder. No, no, Jesus is going to save me. A helicopter comes by, throws down and get on up here. No, Jesus is going to save me. Guy drowns. He goes up to heaven and he says, Jesus, I thought you were going to save me. He's like, well, heck, I sent by, you know, a, a boat, truck, a, truck, a boat, a helicopter. And a helicopter. That's yeah. the co- take action. Yeah. The Lord helps those who help themselves, right? Yeah. So, so don't fall into this trap of that people who are taking action are some liberal, unchristian jerks. And people who are praying aren't taking action. You can do both. And I encourage you, like Jimmy Kimmel says, do get on the phone, particularly if you're in South Carolina and you tell your representatives, do not do not vote yes on the SHARE Act. Vote no on the SHARE Act. Do not vote on legislation that allows concealed weapons to cross state lines into states that have stronger gun controls. Let, and you can just call them and say, if you favor the NRA over us, I will be voting for another candidate. It's, there's another great it's, one. It's, Absolutely. It's almost, you know, it can be that simple. So I had this so I had this crazy thought. I was talking um, with someone the other day. There's a mayor, I think, in Tallahassee, Florida, and I think his name is is Terry Gillingham. Anyway, he stood up to the NRA and this the NRA, I mean they have not just gone after him to lose his job as an elected official. They have not just put money into opponents campaigning against him. They have sued him. They have gone after his personal finances. They are out to financially destroy this man. And I thought, you know what? So it's not just that uh, members of Congress are, receiving money, which so many are in the hundreds of thousands. And it's not just that members of Congress will be primaried uh, if they don't do their bidding. But there's a real there's also a concern that they're going to go after them personally, economically. Um, And so I was thinking we have to create a network for our members of our Congress who are going to have our back and stand up to the NRA, just like we have a network for um, women who are abused, we're going to have to have a grassroots network that's like, we will find you a job. We will drive your kids to school. We will find you housing. We will bring dinner to your house. We will make your lunches. We will support you to whatever levels you need because when the NRA comes after you, it's it's brutal. And we should say the gun lobby at large, because NRA actually isn't the biggest of the contributors. Not, yes. not the NRA, the membership, but that seven board member of the yeah. NRA, Wayne yeah. LaPierre, the president, and the seven board members. And you're right, it's the, it's the gun, lobby gun manufacturers, industry. the gun exactly. lobbyists. Marco Rubio received $3.2 million from the gun lobby. Senator Richard Burr of North Carolina, $6 million. Roy Blunt of, of Missouri, $3 million. Donald Trump, of course... 30, over $30 million received from the gun lobby in order to do their bidding, which is why he's happy to say we've all got to be quiet right now. But I want to assure you again, that's the good news and the bad news is the bad news is, is these folks are still in office and clearly they're going to have to be removed because, Erica, you were even pointing out how Steve Scalise, who was shot, of course, and now is back in Congress, 
He was the Louisiana congressman who was shot at the baseball practice. He, on the day, tell me about them. Yeah, so uh, the day that the silencer bill, the quote-unquote share act with this hearing clause in it, um, or a hearing provision, was to be voted on. He was he was shot that day, so they postponed it, and here it's up again, and then this incident happens. But they're continuing to push full speed, and yeah, Scalise is still supporting the silencer. Yeah, think about that for a second. He still Make- supports making it easier the gun lobby and making a silencer. How many more of his Congress people could have been shot at that baseball game if you couldn't hear the gunfire? So many, many more. more. So many more. And he still supports it. Now, feel what that feels like in your head, because I know a lot of people are probably feeling like we are, where it's like, oh, my God, that's just so appalling. That's so horrible. That's right. It is horrible. But always remember that that's how scared they are. They have got to have such a distorted view of the world in order to believe that that is the more less painful course of action. So I want to dig into that (laughs) because as I gave you some numbers, the gun lobby has a bigger grab on federal Congress people in particular, federal uh, office holders in particular, than a lot of places and and a lot of organizations. You think pharma's got them. uh, They got this pretty good. So we're going to talk about the fear behind that, how deep it is, and what is the way out, uh, because there is definitely a way out. And we'll get to that right here on Jeff's World. This is Jeff's World. The place where we look at this great experiment called America and hopefully leave it better than we found it. I'm Jeff Stein with Erica Farriston and talking about Vegas and more importantly, uh, this broader gun. Again, I want to remind people that um, the fever pitch sound of this debate makes it feel like it's really not working, but that actually that noise is because it really is working. This is the way every major social change occurs. Unfortunately, unfortunately, as it gets to the point where it's where the those who remain in opposition to what is so clearly and overwhelmingly supported become more and more insane and more and more transparent in their motives. Because when you get somebody who's people like Steve Scalise, who's literally getting shot and still and still thinks that we should pass a lot says silencers are fine, which would have made him and his colleagues, who he supposedly was so uh, worried about, that much more in that much more danger and that much more peril. So how much is this pressure? Think tobacco. If you know, there's a lot of parallels, but this is an easy one. And this is if you've seen I've seen a lot of I saw a panel of lawyers and a great 60 minutes on it because they finally d- dialed back the key legal components here and why there's so much pressure. Because one of the the underlying reasons why the uh, gun industry, first of all, is making record profits like they've never seen ever before in the history. During the Obama years, they made so much money and they had so much money to give to politicians to keep making more money that they piled it. And as Erica points out, they even piled money on opposition to prevent those who would oppose it. So Mm -hmm. it's a combination of both attacks. Now, one of the key things about tobacco was that it was evident, the reason they paid out hundreds of millions of dollars and you still see ads about how bad tobacco is, is because of the knowing negligence. They realized, corporate-wide, their chemicals that were not only causing cancer but were increasing addiction, Mm -hmm. so they were dangerous, and they could all have been removed and avoided and at least warned about, and instead they went the other direction and hired people to say it's safe. Doctors. So, So knowingly harming their customers 
And so it is not lost on the lawyers of this world, of this country, or shows like 60 Minutes, that the gun law, the gun manufacturers industry is in the same predicament. They are knowingly manufacturing things which they know kill people in large numbers and have ignored all the safety possibilities. You've, we've talked about some of these on the show. There are dozens. If you're a gun owner, you already know this. For instance, one of the most common ways you die from gun deaths is, is, a, is a gun in your house that somebody else picks up and shoots. Even assailants sometimes, even intruders shoot you with your own guns. More to likely, it's a kid shooting another person or someone shooting somebody else in the house. The gun industry has are is well aware of all the many technologies that can prevent the non-owner, you know, fingerprint identifications, various chips, all these different things. There's lots of proven and tested and effective trans uh, technologies. They are deliberately ignoring them. And I was watching this panel again of legal scholars are saying this is going to catch up with them. There will be a legal response like tobacco that will take down the gun industry. And we are in the moments that are preceding that. And to give you an idea of how dirty it is, Erica, you had some points. Well, yeah. And, and to your point that, you know, they are literally ignoring them. They, this is this is all about a, a small group of people, if you will, the, the those who benefit from the gun lobby, gun manufacturers, and <laughs> the board of the NRA. And by the way. That are the only ones benefiting from legislation such as the sale of, such as taking away the restrictions of the sale of silencers. Right. So, you know, and um, so. Or bump stocks that make you turn an autom- a regular assault weapon into an automatic assault weapon. Right. You which know. this, you know. A gunman had two of. And you, you think everybody's a gun owner. Know the statistic that 50% of the guns in America are owned by 3% of adults. Yes. It's not something that. that, you know, we're all going, oh, yeah, we got to protect everybody's rights. And the vast majority of people who do have a gun usually have some sort of a hunting rifle or a pistol. And it is that simple. And that's all they have. And they haven't fired it in a decade. Well, and also these things that turn something into an automatic weapon, a hunter would never use that because it tears up the meat. Yeah. So it's not for hunting. And nobody's trying to take away hunters' rights to hunt or people's rights to enjoy guns at shooting ranges or, or any of that. I mean, we're talking about background checks so that... You know, people on the FBI's most wanted list won't get them. Uh, people, you know, with histories of mental instability. And by the way, they, you, you're, I can hear everyone saying, well, this guy didn't. He passed a background check. Yeah, of course, some will get through the background check. But if these assault rifles that were able to kill multiple people weren't so readily legal and he had to get them illegally, he's not going to be able to get 20 of them and bring them up to his hotel 42 room. With let the alone 42. And- yeah. Well, so we often hear, you know, how, um, well, this is best articulated. Luke Combs was one of the people who performed at the concert on Sunday. And he was arrested back in March um, by the TSA after bringing a handgun to the uh, Nashville International Airport in in a bag. And in, you know, 2015, he said, you know, I am so proud to be named an NRIA country artist. I love what they stand for, especially supporting our troops. I will always be there to do anything I can to help the men and women who serve this great nation. I am Luke Combs and I am NRA country. Now you often hear this, right? It's the NRA that supports the troop. Well, the NRA um, right now and the gun lobby 
are supporting the Trump administration in loosening uh, restrictions around gun exports. International gun sales. International gun sales. Thank you. So how they're doing this is they're moving, the Trump administration is moving regulation from the State Department with international uh, and it's not just guns. It's also fighter planes, bombs. Yeah, big um, weapons too. Mi- full, huge full weapons, military grade right. as well as just stuff we so shoot people. They're moving regulation from the State Department, which looks at things like human rights, mm-hmm. to the Commerce Department, which simply just promotes products. So they're treating, uh, you know, guns, bombs, uh, fighter planes as just everyday regular products. So who um, are we selling these to? Yeah. Well, um, Trump just recently lifted the human rights restrictions on sales to Bahrain. Oh. Uh, Nigeria. Oh, good. We'll just sell them to places that are going to shoot us back with them. Well, that's exactly right. And so by selling these weapons to these these foreign places, these are areas where we our American soldiers are going to be shot and killed by the weapons that their very own country sold wow. to those fighting against them, to yeah. to to their own enemies. So and it's the NRA that's leading this. So you can't say that the NRA is for the troops. Right. Because they are promoting sales to to people who are going to use them against our troops. And by the way, isn't the purpose of the NRA to represent the people of the United States and their second and the second amendment rights? Why are they pushing for easier gun sales in foreign countries? And the reason is yep. because they stand to make money. Yeah, they've sold three guns to three to ten guns to every of that three percent of Americans who love guns. It's kind of like when again the tobacco industry ran out of American customers. They went to Europe and Asia, and Europe and Asia didn't have the they didn't have the lawsuit that followed it. They didn't have the uh, the, recom, the, 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 the the you know coming down on the tobacco industry. So you still smoke like crazy in Asia, because they didn't go in and protect the people there. And so here it so is again. So this is basically like let's spread arming guns everywhere. ISIS. Let's arm ISIS. They're they're sell, they, they don't care who they're yep. selling these guns to. And here's, I'm going to give Trump credit here. Y'all ready? (laughs) Part of the motivation for this is since Trump has been in office, domestic gun sales have gone down. Do you hear that? Yeah. Giving Trump some credit. And the reason is, is because they don't fear that Trump is going to take away their guns. Remember that? Right. Uh, Obama's you know, going to take our Obama's guns. Obama's going to take our guns. And he by took the way, no guns. No, actually, if there's anybody who had their gun taken away by Obama, or if they have a friend whose gun was taken away by Obama, please write us. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It, it didn't happen. It did not happen. It's <laughs> but that that's the one positive. But there Trump. you go. But they that's had why. To... So they don't care who they're selling these guns to. Right. And they've made almost every dollar they can in America. You can't squeeze too many more gun nuts out of America. And so you got to take them overseas and sell more guns elsewhere. And you got to sell it everywhere. You got to keep that 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 profit going. Doesn't matter if if they're enemies to American troops over there. 
Right. And if, you run out of, and if you're out of selling guns, well, now you got to sell bump stocks. Now you got to sell silencers. You got to sell accessories. You got to keep selling stuff. I mean, you, you, it's guns. Whereas if it was, you know, cell phones, you'd be like, oh my God, I just hate the way they try to sell me 20 things when I go in and buy a cell phone. The case to pack, though, it's like, well, guess what? That's they do with guns, too. It's all the same. It's going to be continuous. Do you want to be a country where we're just making as much money as possible for the gun industry? And this is almost, go ahead. Yeah. No, I'm just, these guns are going to be sold to terrorists dictators, gang members, I mean, U.S. adversaries. Right. So there you go. And this is the point. Is the, so the don't argument fall is gone. for this, yeah. that this, that this is about support. This legislation is about supporting troops. It absolutely is not. Silencers is not about uh, yeah. protecting, protecting hearing. It's not about protecting police. It's not about protecting police. It's yeah. not about protecting American people. It's not about keeping us safer. Yeah. So, so just the only reason why we emphasize that is, is to see the truth of what's happening so that you can move forward with how you know how you're going to respond yeah and please see the ridiculousness of it as as actually a little bit of comfort because i know you hear this and you can hear our intensity getting up because because you know you get frustrated you feel powerless you feel powerless to this giant entity known as the gun lobby but that's the thing that they die in the light of day as soon as people can see the ridiculousness of it and they've had enough and that is, again, why I say this debate happened instantly. And it happened on late night hosts who wouldn't would have had anything to do with it because it is so beyond acceptance anymore. And that's when change happens and is happening. And again, good news, bad news. It may ha- this particular batch of Congress people that are in office right now will probably go to the end of, to the end of 2018 to they're voted out uh, because they do get so much money and they are so scared of the retribution of the gun lobby. But the next, but we will remove them. I think even you know, I think even louder than the late night talk show hosts who mm. usually stay away from you know going deep into politics which a lot of people could accuse as being liberal or left-wing. Caleb Keeter yeah. is a country music star. Am I jumping on this? Did yeah, you... no, I was going to okay. read it too, so let's do it. Caleb um, Keeter, he was there. He was the... there, and he uh, said, quote, I've been a proponent of the Second Amendment my entire life until the events of last night. I cannot express how wrong I was. We actually have members of our crew with concealed handgun licenses and legal firearms on the bus. They were useless. We couldn't touch them for fear police might think we were part of the massacre and shoot us. A small group or one man laid waste to a city with dedicated, fearless police officers desperately trying to help because of access to an insane amount of firepower. Enough is enough. Writing my parents and the love of my life a goodbye last night and a living will because I felt like I wasn't going to live through the night was enough for me to realize that this is completely and totally out of hand. The rounds were powerful enough that my crew guys just standing in close proximity of a victim shot by this effing coward received shrapnel wounds. We need gun control. And in all caps, he writes, right period now period all caps my biggest regret is that i stubbornly didn't realize it until my brothers on the road and myself were threatened by it we are unbelievably fortunate to not be among the number of victims killed or seriously wounded 
by this maniac. Now that coming from him, it's powerful. And what I say to Caleb Keeter is welcome. Yeah. And feel that because that's where we're going. And we don't have to, this won't require every a Second Amendment lover to come around. It won't. It's not necessary. But when the Caleb Keeters come around, it's over. This argument's done. And it's going to keep moving. And you're going to be proud of America real fast here. Uh, but just hold on. We and got a little I have more hope ugly. Yeah. when we get back. Yeah, we have a little more ugly. A little more ugly before we get to that point. Also, I want to talk about the why that everybody likes to obsess on. And whether that's important, how important is the why, what is the why, and really <laughs> the bigger why when we come back to Jeff's World. We learned more details about the shooter. He was a 64-year-old man from Florida uh, with no criminal record, and he owned 42 guns. Oh, and also, apparently, he was a multi-millionaire, which means right now he doesn't fit any profile of any mass shooter. And you know who's having a hard time processing all of that information? The good people at Fox News. Here's the other thing. Bin Laden, we knew who to hate. You know, you saw Sandy Hook. We knew that mutant living in his basement. We don't even know enough about him to hate him yet. That is, that is so true. (laughs) How do you hate someone who's killed 59 people? Uh, Because he's not Muslim. I mean, he wasn't known to be mentally ill. He doesn't kneel for the anthem. He's just a rich white guy who shot people at a country music concert. Like, how do you hate him? There's nothing to hate. I bet someone at Fox News right now is trying to hack into 23andMe, just like, come on, there's got to be something about him. Something about him. He's got to have a 2% Inuit. I'll take it. I'll take it. I guess it's kind of a burqa. I'll take it. Since Sunday's shooting didn't fit any of Fox's established narratives, they couldn't politicize it. And if they couldn't politicize it, then I guess neither should anyone else. Can we not have a day in which we mourn before we engage in some very divisive debate over an issue on which there's been no agreement in this country for a very long time? You truly hope that in a moment like this, we can move beyond politics. Do you need to politicize this today? Can you just stand down for a moment? I like how Fox News says, please don't politicize this today as if there's any time they'd be willing to talk about gun control. Right. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to wait a couple of days. Uh, but you know they'd be like, oh, sorry, we can't do Thursday. Yeah, we're going to be talking about Hillary's emails. Yeah. Be like, oh, what about, what about Friday? No, still talking about Hillary's emails. <laughs> next, next month, next year? Yeah, we're going to be swamped with the emails for a while. Yeah. But I get the concern. I mean, what kind of terrible people would push a political agenda the day after a mass shooting, a shooting like with Orlando. In the wake of this attack, you wonder whether people like that should be, you know, should be coming here. Everyone in the Muslim community, let's be part of the solution and work together as Americans to combat radical Islamic terrorism. It would be to the president's best interest to rally around the country to name an enemy and a movement to stop. So clearly Fox's whole don't politicize it is BS. Or maybe just a way to buy time while they're figuring out how to politicize it. Right now, friends helped friends to safety. People helped strangers to safety. And law enforcement was running towards the bullets. So all those kneelers in the NFL out there, they need to recognize when they're kneeling during the anthem. Pure victimhood. They're kneeling. 
And we're supposed to be honoring law enforcement, law enforcement that's trying to save lives, not take lives. Wow. Wow. Did this guy just find a way to use the mass shooting to pivot back to the NFL argument? Yeah, like after watching this, you'd be thinking hundreds of people shot in Las Vegas. Colin Kaepernick, you son of a bitch! Right? But, but I hear, what is his point? You've got to show respect to the police. Personally, I'd rather respect the police by reducing the number of guns that risk killing police. But yeah, I mean, not kneeling is good too. You do your thing. Yeah. Do whatever you want. This is Jeff's World. That's Trevor Noah. And this is this is the where we are. The, the comedians <laughs> are making some of the best points, yeah, right? Yeah, you can't so, say it any better than that. You know, in the eight months since Trump took office, more Americans have been killed in attacks by white American men with no connection to Islam than by Muslim terrorists or foreigners. Right. So let's talk about that first part, which I think is, is so important. It doesn't fit into any profile. I think uh, you're dying, aren't you? Executive Brian. I, Executive I, Brian. I, I don't want to derail the conversation no, here, but I'm very interested to know what the history of the rhetoric was following Columbine and following Sandy Hook. Well, we were talking about this earlier in the show that, that yeah. they just back then you just talked about the tragedy of it. Because they thought, wow, this was kind of an anomaly. It was somewhat rare. It wasn't as big of a deal. But now that it's so common, we went to the debate instantly. Yeah. And the other thing is, and I'm jumping in here, but I just want to say, I I also like to see the correlation, the timeline between when these guns were made readily available to the citizens of the United States to buy and when these incidents started happening. Yeah. I mean, because definitely. That's what you're going to see. The, the you're going to see a correlation between when oh, these guns yeah. were available and when this stuff started. And as I'm sure Erica's thinking right now, you know, in Congress, they passed during the Bush administration, they kept passed laws making it illegal for the government to study these things, to study yeah. gun deaths and gun violence, yeah. because they didn't illegal. want people to realize that. So it's only private and nonprofit organizations that study how the increase in the sales of bump stocks and this sort of thing has resulted in more death. So it is there, and we're going to have the numbers, which will only mean something to those who uh, who care about it, right? I think the thing that, um, let's say, Fox News is struggling with most yeah. about this shooter... Is, is the profile that, problem. Well, he doesn't fit the profile. No, but the particular parts about the profile, white. Right. But more than... That combined with rich, yeah. that's what is just... Th- but he's rich! Yes. But he's white and rich! Right. It there is so, nothing more ungodly than that combination. Right, because poor people have a moral failing. So you don't, and if he, and they, they kept trying to find that if his gambling debts were over his head. I remember watching the dialogue in the first 24 hours. Well, I'm sure his gambling debts were so bad and he was broke and that's what made him desperate. It's like, no, he was just fine. He had a few million dollars in the bank. It's, it's so odd it's, to hear them search for a, an ethnicity to blame it on. Yeah. It's something, a, a group of people they can blame it on. And it's not like just they. faction, and it's crazy. So, you know, this is the, this is the key one I want to talk about, because we were talking okay. at the top of the show of, because of, of, we do these things, these thoughts that come up in our head of why doesn't fit the profile. Why do we want to know why that he did it? It, it makes us feel better because we want to make order in this world. We want to feel like, you know what, if, if I can see a predictable line of circumstances, then I won't have to, quite frankly, walk around terrified all day. You know, you know what? If, if you start putting uh, you know, common sense gun laws 
you know, and enforce them, you won't have to walk around as fearful. Every right, day. but because you said to them, say, look, we've identified it's a 64-year-old white male that's well-to-do who likes casinos. Now you're screwed. You can't just avoid them, but you could avoid a Muslim. You could avoid a little gang member. You could avoid some sort of person yeah. that fits under the category. From right? a mental healing standpoint, so, I can understand why people would like to know why so they can understand yes, and grasp it. Yes. But from a blaming standpoint, it just doesn't make sense. I really don't care to know anything about this man. Crazy is crazy. Yeah. The, 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 the ability to get to a point where it makes sense that, that you feel like it's going to be the next fun course of action is to shoot people. Nobody relates that. It doesn't have to do with ideology. It's just plain crazy. Well, and also, I think because of this profile, people can't jump on the bandwagon to hate right, the like they groups said. that they want to hate? hate. The people of color, people yeah. who are Muslim or different religion have to look of different country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're going to do more of that. I want to come back they're and talk more about... They're robbed of that. Yeah, they're robbed of the why. Hate him for that reason, for robbing you of being able to blame the other. That. That and revenge fantasies when we return to Jeff's World. This is Jeff's World, the place where we try to provide a more satisfying perspective on life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, and things of this nature. I'm Jeff Stein with Erica Ferriston. Executive Brian is also joining us. And uh, if you would bear with me a little more, uh, Trevor Noah, because he's the one that can set up this topic pretty darn well. The people on Fox News are so desperate to find a narrative to grasp onto that at times, even they couldn't get on board with their own ideas. His brother said he didn't believe in God or didn't have a God or didn't have faith in his life. So maybe this is all speculation, but that possibly could be the reason, because he knows country musicians or country music fans are normally pro-God and uh, go to church on Sundays. Maybe he has a problem with that or had a problem with that. And Steve Ducey's just stunned. He didn't know what to say. He just sits quietly. Just funny. Okay. Go all right. way in on that. Yeah. All right. No, I didn't know. Silent. I didn't even see it. Well, well, Let us know what you think. Send yeah. us your emails. Yeah, send us your emails. So it doesn't fit the narrative, which drives people absolutely bonkers. Uh, And I want to say just Fox News, because there was another incident that occurred uh, real quick here. A CBS executive, a VP who tweeted, I won't read the the actual tweet, but basically said, was trying to point out this irony that, hey, maybe it's a country crowd which supports gun rights. And look, they kind of got what they deserve. He said, she said, I wasn't sympathetic to them because they support guns. Now, you hear that and you go, oh, that's just awful. That's just an awful thing to say. Well, when we say some of the things we just said, people who were diehard second amendment rights think that's just as awful to somehow imply that it's not important whether or not he's a a god-fearing man or or this or that and again this is how you know if you're if you're a a spiritual person god is bringing you the 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 like she was like erica was saying earlier an example bringing you the boat bringing you the helicopter they're bringing you the examples to for for more and more prove to you that it's you're not going to be identified the person as being the issue you have to look at the systemic situation that we live in you have to look at the accessibility of guns you have to look at the amount of fear we have you have to look at the amount of divisiveness and how much we're in fact the focus on trying to identify who to hate is a lot of the reason why we're shooting each other because they're spending so much effort trying to figure out who to hate. And so that kind of crazy is on both sides. And it's coming out of people's mouths sometimes, but it's also sometimes in our heads. And which leads me to this idea of a revenge fantasy um, that's been going on. Sean Hannity... Well, he, Sean Hannity isn't revenge fantasy. He's hero fantasy. He's hero fantasy. He thinks right he's there. the guy who could sweep into that situation with his gun and and solve it by shooting somebody. And my argument is, first of all, he's not trained to do that. Secondly, is that... Uh, 
uh, that only creates a shooting gallery of people knowing who's the shooter in that yeah. situation because everybody thought the shooting was originally on the ground. And that's why everybody ducked because they thought it was coming from the crowd. Right. And if you had a gun and then you and you said, I'm going to pull it out because of this incident. And then you saw somebody else who did the same thing. You would assume they were the shooter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you would shoot them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you would miss. So you would shoot somebody else. Another innocent person. And then somebody would see you doing that. And then they'd be shoot. I mean, it would it would multiply the amount of deaths. Yeah. They say a good shooter usually hits only about 30 percent of their target. Not to mention that these high powered rifles, these military style rifles, after 200 yards, the bullet really isn't all that good for accuracy because those bullets tumble out of the barrel. They're made to make the most amount of destruction on a human body. They don't fly like a, a, a shooting target rifle with trajectory. They just tumble out of the barrel to the maximum amount of impact to you to rip your body apart. Right. So so here's, I mean, just to kind of, kind of wrap this part up. I mean, the things that, there's a lot that we don't know, but the things that we do know is, you know, access to these kinds of guns and gun, I don't know, enhancements or yeah, what Yeah, this was why them. this was so easy for him. He could put it together in his mind, ah, I'm going to go shoot some people and go out into the bang, pun, not pun intended. And yeah. so, and he had prolific access to these many weapons and, and, the, and the modifications. And until, and until the actual access to the killing machines is dealt with, there, there will be more of this, yeah. regardless of profile. Yeah. And so th it's why it's so important. I, I, you know, I'm a person that's always about taking action. So I think it's why it's so important to take action. And just to give people some hope, in, in 1996 in Tasmania, Australia, um, when 35 people were killed in a mass shooting, Australia reacted by, now get this, confiscating yeah, this isn't that. just about yeah. passing legislation, confiscating huge numbers, huge proportions of the guns owned by the people in their country. And I just want to point out that Australia is one of the most seriously gun loving countries in the world. Yeah, they do love the guns. They're like cowboys. They're like British cowboys. They're all <laughs> they crocodile like Dundee. Right. <laughs> I don't and know. Um, they do like their guns. And this. This ha this confiscation of these mass number guns happened overnight, along with legislation to seriously and buyback restrict programs. and buyback programs and all these things. And um, you know, their murder rate dropped significantly. Yes, uh, you, and their mass shooting rates dropped to numbers they had something like thirteen in twenty years. Uh, and we have sometimes two or three or four a day. Several a day. A day. A day. And a mass shooting is defined as three or more, three or more yeah. people. So when when you hear it can't be done, we know that it can because it has been done. And if if we, you know, I mean, this is the United States of America. You, you mean to tell me, like, we, we can't do what Australia can do? Like, are they that much better than us? Come on! Yeah. Then, you know... Where's your patriotism? Yeah, and I want to go ahead. Brian. The, the argument against that is always the fear angle because they say, well, that's just the beginning of them taking all of our guns away. No, it's not. We're not saying you can't own a gun. We just don't want you to own these types of guns. Yeah, then it becomes a religion for those folks. But those folks are yeah. in the minority. They really are. And they're just extremely well-funded, as we talked about earlier in this show. And that's why it seems like it's an equal voice. But again, as Erica points out, every single poll shows that the vast majority of people, even our NRA members, agree on background checks and, and assault rifles. That's all limited. we're talking about. Yeah, we're not talking that. about confiscating guns. 
We're talking about common sense background checks. Pass it. And common Haven't sense of able... military weapon reduction. <laughs> right. And 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 stop the loosening of, you know, foreign sales of guns and small and larger weapons to those that are going to be in the hands of American adversaries. So I want to go ahead. I think so, that on the revenge, I do want to talk about the yeah, the, uh, the uh, Australian thing, too, because I, they already the industry has been funding shills. Right. So they got a guy that went on Fox News. I'll play this later to try to convince everybody that the Australian example was wrong. And of course, you'll hear a little bit of it and it's just it'll fall apart instantly. But that's how desperate they are. Again, I want you to remember, see the desperation of their arguments. This is how it always goes in social change in America or any kind of big change anywhere, any democracy is just before there's just a wave of permanent movement is the last few craziest of insane arguments. And we are there. And but on the revenge thing, because y'all probably have folks like I do in your life who uh, and I say I distinguish between uh, Executive Brian's hero fantasy versus revenge fantasy. Hero fantasy can be a very positive thing. Like you want like a hero fantasy in the case of this shooting in Las Vegas would be you sweep in and you're able to carry six people that are wounded out with tourniquets in your car and get them to the hospital. That'd be a hero fantasy. Revenge fantasy is when you feel, and again, revenge, don't forget, revenge as a human emotion is relief from powerlessness and fear and and trapped and things like that. And so people go to revenge fantasies for relief. Sean Hannity goes to this to try to convince himself that if he were in a crowd full of people shooting, that he would somehow be able to shoot the shooter because... It, it does. It makes him feel empowered as opposed to not knowing when he could get shot at any moment. And I, I was reading a lot of my conservative friends uh, pages lately because that's who I want to see how I was doing it. Uh, my liberal friends, my, my moderate friends, my independent friends, they're all done with this argument. This is over for them. So it's fun to watch where it's going with the conservatives. And they did. So many of them went to the revenge thing. But you can smell the fear. I should have brought one up. One of their accounts. They'll talk about how, you know, this is the price of freedom and I have to, which is what Bill O'Reilly said, but I I have to go and when I go into a restaurant, I always check the exits. I always see where my escape routes are. That's your fear. I'm not saying don't. freedom, man. Exactly. I'm not saying don't check the exits. I'm not saying don't take precautions. Help yourself. But the fact that you're preoccupied with a pervasive need to be ready for disaster is the measure of your fear. How about our freedom to go to a concert and live through it? Yes. Go to school, go to a mall. You know, I I want to I want to get to like all of us I think as a nation right now we are, you know, we are in fear, we are grieving, we are sad and I want to I want to talk about, you know, how can we, how do we handle that? Yeah. How do we get through that? So, yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, we could jump into it a little bit right now because uh, um, the, the, the key is, is, is know, like I just said, that even though I, I was kind of dissing the revenge thing and revenge is relief to powerlessness, the trick is you got to keep going. Sometimes anger is going to come up. Frustration is going to come up. Understand that and know that. In addition to, uh, you know, Executive Brian here and his wife is, uh, is, a, is a psychologist and, and she's been getting, as you were telling me, you know, folks going out, what do I do? And she's been just referring Left and white, right, light, right, to, to let people know that you could have a lot of post, post-traumatic stress from this. And not even if you were there, even if you just had a lot of friends. I mean, some people were on the other end of a phone line during this tragedy, like you were yeah. saying, you know. And there's a lot of survivor guilt. Yeah. 
And that's hard to deal with. Yeah. It really is. So and, so know that and know that your anger and your frustration is okay. That's what's supposed to happen. That's actually you climbing out. When you go, God, I'm just so sick of these Second Amendment a-holes who just want more guns. They think it's more guns. It's like, yeah, yeah, good. Okay, you got to the anger. Now look around. See how many people are sharing what you're feeling. Just notice that you're not alone there. And if a lot of folks are in that same anger that you are, change is coming. Because we ain't going to put up with it anymore. When Jimmy Kimmel says he's fed up, and I can I assure you, if you know Jimmy Kimmel, he'd much rather be telling jokes. And he didn't just say that. That is very much true about Jimmy Kimmel. He hates doing this sort of thing. Uh, but he doesn't know what else to do. And that's relief for him, right? It's to go on the air and say, I don't know what else to do. It's this kind of, as Erica would say too, is you look for this like open vulnerability that's showing the change is happening. You know, that's showing that people are going, okay, I'm, I'm so done with this and it hurts so much. And I'm so scared that I, I'm willing to talk about it. You know, like when uh, Trevor Noah said, everybody just starts lining up at the, uh, at the blood bank because they just wanted to do something, right? People are calling. Yeah. And so just to kind of reiterate that point, you know, um, you know, we're, we're humans and we may be experiencing, and I'm, I'm not talking about the people who are actually No, in these yeah, incidents. again, we started the show with that. I'm talking about us as a, you know, as a the just nation, this, as a yeah. whole. You know, whatever it is you're experiencing, fear, sorrow, grief, despair, revenge fantasies, uh, guilt, um, just acknowledge them yeah. and experience them. And then release them. I think it's the it's the judgment that really gets people in trouble. So just whatever you're mm. experiencing, it's okay. You know, kind of like let it come up and and let it come up and let it come out. And there's, you know, there's different things that you can do. I like that you said, know that you're not alone in this. Yeah. You know, if you do need to reach out for some kind of support, know that you deserve to get that support and reach out for it. One of the favorite things I do, my husband laughs, um, I call it my angry writing. (laughs) If I'm having a big emotion, it doesn't have to necessarily be anger, but a lot of times for me it is. Anger, fear, da-da. I get a paper and pen and I just write. Don't worry about punctuation. And I write and I write and I write. And I'm undisturbed. My phone's off. Do not disturb sign is on. And I write until it eventually naturally shifts. And then I burn it. Yeah. I burn it in our outdoor grill. And my husband's like, oh, these hamburgers taste so angry. Can I ask, <laughs> can, can, can I ask how deep is the impatient the pressure yeah. pages down? Right. So, yeah, <laughs> right? exactly. Several, several. But they, but the most important thing is, is just don't judge yourself. Yeah. Experience your feelings. And then... The question, then that leaves you in a place to take self-responsibility and how you choose to respond. And if we choose to respond with the negative energies, such as anger and resentment, like you talked about, then we are effectively adding to the very energy that we are saying we are opposed to. Yeah. So it's like, you know... It can use, you know, like we said earlier, fear and anger, they they are important to tell you, you know, what's happening. And they can, you know, guide you to a place, but you want to move through that anger before you take the action. Then you, you know, then you want to call, then you want to march, then you want to, you know, 
donate money, give blood, whatever it is. But you know, that's the part that you want to make the conscious choice of. This is coming from, I'm going to be a part of the solution. I'm going to help. Yes. Meanwhile, in uh, other places too, when we finish this, Puerto Rico and uh, one of the biggest Supreme Court decisions in the history that's going to affect us all. It's all in Jeff's world. This is Jeff's World, the purple state of mind with the amber airwaves of grain. I'm Jeff Stein. Erica Ferriston's here as well, and Executive Brian. And sometimes, you know, uh, I was a lifetime comedian and did comedy, comedy executive. And uh, I learned to uh, say, hey, if it's funnier or more poignant than me, then uh, I'll let them have the floor. Because let the funnier person, more poignant person. And on Puerto Rico, I return you to Jimmy Kimmel. Trump has said some not so nice things about Puerto Rico over the past week, including a tweet. He said uh, the Puerto Ricans want everything to be done for them, says the guy who's never carried a piece of luggage in his entire life. But (laughs) at a news conference in Carolina this morning, he regaled those who still don't have power on 95 percent of their island with hilarity like this. Mick Mulvaney is here right there. And Mick is uh, in charge of a thing called budget. Now, I hate to tell you, Puerto Rico, but you've thrown our budget a little out of whack because we've spent a lot of money on Puerto Rico, and that's fine. Oh, yeah. Next time you allow a storm to ravage your island, please think about, we're not made out of money. Think about the cost. He really puts the ass in compassion, doesn't he? (laughs) Some locals to chat and offer comforting words. We're going to help you out. Thank you. Have a good time. (laughs) Have a good time. (laughs) Have a good time. It's a hurricane, not a pool party. You don't know... But the president didn't just pitch in to help with his words. He also took some time to visit a relief center where he actually, this actually happened. Throwing paper towels, you've seen it. It's like he's operating the t-shirt cabinet at a Clippers game. What is he doing? Who does that? What planet is this man from? The brawny paper towel guy would know better than to do that. Right? It's always something. Every day, he, Trump also had an uncomfortable meeting with the mayor of San Juan, who he criticized via tweet. But while the, I will say, while the president's been very critical of some in Puerto Rico, there's one person he's had some very nice things to say about. Everybody has said it's amazing the job that we've done in Puerto Rico. We're doing a great job. We have had tremendous it's reviews. The governor the made incredible statements about how well we're doing. I think we've done a really good job. We're doing a really good job. I mean, I think we're really getting really good marks for the work we're doing. I think it's going really well. We've made tremendous strides. I think it's now acknowledged what a great job we've done. In Texas and in Florida, we get an A+. And I'll tell you what, I think we've done just as good in Puerto Rico. We have done an incredible job. And that's the truth. As far as Puerto Rico is concerned, that's been going, as you know, really well. It's been total devastation. All right. Well, very good. Uh, It's amazing how he's able to get those tiny hands around his back to pat it so efficiently. I don't know, and not to toot my horn, but I, for those of you who have been listening to the long show, you were the show for a long time, you'll remember I said that uh, at some point there's going to be a humanitarian disaster of American citizens, and that's when his narcissism is going to be seen for the true level of, of depth that it is. It's just, it's unthinkable. I know this is a tangent. Please, tangent on. I swear we'll get right back on. But as he's touting what a good job he's doing in Florida, um, 
you know, they they just refuse to renew the CHIP Act, which is yes, you know, chip for children's health care for oh children's health care, which means many like as much as ten states are going to run out of money by the end by of the, the end year. year. Yep, including so, California. So great job that you're doing for the the yeah. children in this country. Yeah, I, I just. And I know it's not, you know, this kind of disaster, but in the end, they're all disasters. They're all human lives. Yeah. Oh, it's an administrative disaster. With regard to what he said there and, you know, have a good have a good time. Have a good time. I think he enjoy your hurricane disaster. He was I I, I guarantee this. He was at an event like a party and he was telling people to have a good time. That's what he thinks he was. Well, he and, looks at it as like I'm the guy. He, he kept telling yeah. people how he could bring them to the White House when they when they feel better and, and stuff. It's how like, about really? when he dedicated his uh, golfing trophy oh, to the hurricane? Yeah, if victims. you didn't catch this one, he literally because he couldn't he couldn't go to Puerto Rico until Tuesday because he had the President's Cup golf tournament at his golf course in New Jersey. You know, he had more important things to do than go to New, New, Puerto he, he's Rico. He's literally golfing. And so as he's as he's handing out the trophy, he says, "I just want to dedicate this to the the people of Puerto Rico." You know, they're doing we're doing a great job, and he starts confident himself and somebody says you don't give up and yells out s-h-i-t in the middle of his press conference because he's dedicating a freaking trophy from a golf court i mean lynn manuel uh is of course the writer of miranda the writer of uh, hamilton you know he's a puerto rican he's got a puerto rican family it's and so he said this guy's well, going straight to hell on a golf cart congressman ted lu tweeted dear at real donald trump u.s citizens in puerto rico need water food oxygen tanks medicine but not a golf trophy you still don't get it yeah here's and, here's my point where he doesn't get it it's so funny the difference between saying what he said and patting himself on the back as opposed to earning more credit by just saying we've only just begun the hard work is still ahead of this us this is supposed to be the easy things for a president to yes. just come in and just be nice and just say and that and just be a human being yes Jimmy Kimmel started the show and said that he brings Melania because in case he needs someone to actually ask, act human you know because he doesn't even know how to do it now this all doesn't surprise anybody in this room no. and it's why I love to watch the Trump support Supporters, because okay. I am absolutely thoroughly. Because I know here's why I love them for two reasons. One, they don't bother me because I know there's no way that this will ever it'll fall of its own weight, mm-hmm. and it already is. There's no way that this this is going to become the new standard for presidents, right? We're not going to suddenly go. This is how it is. Let's just find the next biggest narcissist and make them a president, right? This is a mistake. We all know it's a mistake. We're all going to survive it. That gives me the first comfort because I'm quite confident that this is a lesson we are learning really well by. Because there's an expression in the spiritual world. Sometimes you have to know what you don't want in order to know what you do want. And this is the best way to do that. Now, I so I like to watch them to see, hey, just out of curiosity, when are they going to come around, if ever? Will they ever? And I don't mean to me whether or not they will. That's the thing. You can't have a stake in the outcome. You can't believe that we're only going to receive change if these guys come around. They're the same right? people who criticized Obama for golfing during Katrina, even though pres- even though George Bush was president right. and Obama was not president. But Trump is literally golfing and takes the golf trophy and says, I dedicate this trophy. To the people dying over there off the, the other side of the country. I mean, <laughs> how do they not? Yeah. Yeah. Do they just like... Ch- 
Are they so big it's, golfers? It's going to take a lot. And here's why it's going to take a lot for for a Trump support. Now, some come around. Like the, we saw that guy, you know, there was a diehard Second Amendment guy, and he came around because he was experienced. But the, uh, what were you saying, Brian? I was going to say this. You say about what it takes to, to, to turn this thing around. I look at it. I just popped in my mind. I look at it from an addict standpoint. Yeah. An addict has to hit rock bottom. <laughs> yeah. So where is this rock bottom going well, to be? Here's some of the rock bottom. Some and, addicts never get help, honey. That's true. That is true. And some won't. And some will go to their grave uh, just in the same way that Nixon, at the low of his approval, was a 24%. And those folks went to their graves thinking Nixon was a great president. He was just misunderstood. You know, or whatever. And that's fine. There will be those who will do that. But. It will. You just made the great point, Brian. It will take a lot for Trump supporters because even the sane ones will have to be incredibly convinced to believe that he's not better than the alternative. And this is an important part of the narrative. They really think that he is the only alternative. When you're coming from the perspective that it's a crooked world with crooked people and evil people, they will take their ass-kicking crooked guy over the smarmy establishment crooked person any time, you know, until they're proven that this person is more crooked than they are. Well, and I it will say take let's a rid lot. Of, get rid of all the crookeds, right? smarmy and ass-kickers, and let's get some... <laughs> You know, people with integrity. Yes, well, that's because, you know, and again, he will have to betray them personally and tangibly. In order well, for them if to they live. Are, if their kids are on S chip, he just did. Right. And he will keep if doing that. If you're an things, American yes. soldier over in these countries, yes. he just did. And I'm watching this, and that's why I say it's fascinating to watch Trump supporters, because most of my Trump supporter friends have come off. They're they've left. Because something did finally betray them personally and tangibly from Donald Trump, and they were enough disgusted, and they're gone. And a lot of most of you know, all my conservative friends are like that, and just a few that are still on. Because unlike Erica, they don't see life as a cost-benefit analysis. You make cogent decisions about what to like or not like. That will never convince them. Because it, they start on the premise that everything is a lie. Everything is fake. It's politicized. It's sold, packaged, mm-hmm. deceived. And so you don't go with the cost-benefit analysis. You go with the guy you trust until he betrays your trust. Well, he will. And he will. It's and a guarantee. Many, Narcissists always do. Right? When he says drain the swamp, which to us means oppose, you know, get rid of the swamp. No, it means oppose the op- opposition. Not eliminating a particular breed or of rich and powerful gator or swamp rat or whatever, but to oppose those who oppose him. Because loyalty is first and foremost when you've aligned yourself with who you think is going to kick ass. And you'll stick with that loyalty until he kicks your ass, which is happening. Okay, more on Puerto Rico and on the Supreme Court decision when we return to Jeff's World. Uh, this is Jeff's World with Jeff Stein and Erica Ferris. And if Jeff Hendrick was here, he would say, oh, that's the sound that says it's the last segment. Oh, we miss you, Jeff Hendrick. <laughs> it is the last segment of Jeff's World. Thank you so much for listening. Always join us on Facebook. Uh, we started pointing, you know, putting more questions up and stuff, and most of you just kind of privately go, all right, yeah, I got a question. Uh, great, wonderful. If you say it out loud, that's even good, too, because then we can kind of say it out loud, which is nice. But in either, either case... Um, we are here to, you know, respond to what's driving you crazy. I know I had a number of my own friends who are regular listeners who said, I can't wait for this episode because it just feels so freaking crazy. And I, and I appreciate being able to talk from a, from a pers- broader perspective that says, hey, uh, this is working. It's just ugly. And if you look at society, you got to know that. You got to know that this is part of the process. Uh, you got to know that, you know, for instance, again, Puerto Rico, we're going to come back to it. But something that's been so neglected 
uh, in a lot of ways. Nobody knows what was going on in, 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 with its debt and, its, and, and the vulture capitalists mm. that were manipulating that country. And one of the ways to find out is, unfortunately, uh, is to have some sort of tragedy that makes us everyone go, wait a minute, Puerto Ricans, they're, they're U.S. citizens? I mean, it's amazing how many people said they're U.S. citizens. Mm. I didn't know, you know, and that's how. And you say, well, that's terrible. But here's the thing. Instead of getting mad that people didn't know they're U.S. citizens, mm-hmm. go, oh, God, mm-hmm. thank God, we got a lesson today. Yay. Yeah. And we're learning it. Look how many people know it now. Mm-hmm. This is welcome is, them. Welcome them. Like you said mm-hmm. earlier, that's so great. Life is is done in the now, and um, and that's just a, such an important part of the equation, right? So, real quick to digress to because I don't want to do it before the show runs out. Is this Supreme Court decision that is up before the Supreme Court? They're arguing right now, and they're trying to do the tea leaves and watch this, the justices. It's about gerrymandering, and it, should it be constitutional to gerrymander, which means to structure your congressional and state districts in such a way that it favors the partisan? In, in Wisconsin, is which is where this case is being adjudicated is where some of the most egregious gerrymandering happened where I'm trying to do the math but of the eight districts uh, in, a, in a state that is less than 50% Republican they got six Republican reliable districts. So they got like three quarters, as I recall, is the numbers. Three quarters of the districts go always Republican because they put they cage all the Democrats in the other two districts or however the number goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that and this is an old thing. If you know gerrymandering, you know what I'm talking about. Well, if you've ever looked at a district map, they're silly. They're it ridiculous. Makes, it makes no sense to me. Except this- in California. This we're doing it here now. You know what? Whether it supports the Democratic Party or the Republican no, I mean in Party, terms that we right. have them decided by judges and panels instead of and geography instead yes, of instead yes. of partisan. You know, right? We do it right here. But yeah, anyway, many but do. Um, yes, exactly. But the, to me, this just this gerrymandering. I mean, there's no democracy in that. Right. And I mean, aren't we supposed to be a democracy? Yeah, and this is why it's a make or break. Uh, and then so far, there's there's a sense that there's the usual four, including the new Gorsuch, who are on the side of going, no, you can partisan do it all if you want, because if you're good, then you're then you win, you know. And why they would want to do that? It's it would be like if a, if you played for those football lovers, if you said that each side could decide what the penalties were mm-hmm. for you know that 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 were enforced. Hey, and if you're good, you'll just overcome whatever penalties the other side sets for you. Right, and it's like that's ridiculous. That is so crazy that you would rigs it that way. So uh, we're waiting to see Anthony Kennedy, once again, probably going to be the swing vote. It's probably going to be a 5-4. Uh, might surprise. I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if um, if John Roberts, sometimes he gets very constitutional and says, yeah, this this is... Because here's why I think that I'm very optimistic that that one will flip. Because of the alternative. If they rule that partisan structure of congressional seats is perfectly constitutional, then every state will have to do it. Every blue state, every red state, it will become a frenzy of partisan analysis. And then they'll start, and these Supreme Court justices should know this, with the way data analysis is in this Google you know, era, they will analyze all kinds of data. We'll figure out your psychological disposition in voting and we'll redistrict that way. They'll just keep redistricting based on the analysis of the people instead of pure geography of location. In, in a mix of nonpartisan, you know, d- distribution. So I think the this, this justices will see the extreme danger of allowing that and how it will detriment uh, democracy so horribly. And they'll rule. Now, good news. If they rule that this is illegal, there are a whole lot of states. And I can tell you right now, bye bye Republican majority. 
mathematically speaking, there is no possible way. Now, they may do one thing. They may say, yes, it is no longer legal starting after the 2018 elections. So we may have to get through one more election. That sounds awfully partisan. It's a funny thing because we've had some precedences amongst the Supreme Court to not rule on voting habits before an election. But, you know, this is pretty significant. So they might they might still rule on it. And and so 2018 could be. And if the Republicans lose in 2018, and you're optimistic it, that the I, that I, they're I, not partisan. I think they're going to I think Kennedy Neil Gorsuch is, is not. No, partisan. no. Yeah, Neil Gorsuch is going to rule with the the, the cheating. Uh, it seems to be the case. I would not be surprised there. I mean, everything in his judicial review in the past has indicated that he likes to be able to rig it for the team that he's on. Mm-hmm. So uh, that probably would be the case. But Kennedy and, of course, the other four, quote unquote, liberal justices, which is, uh, you know, <laughs> not always a quite correct definition. Uh, they will, you know, I think they'll, they'll at least five, four, maybe six, six, three. Mm-hmm. Um, here's hoping. Uh, it'll make a difference. I'm not kidding. You'll see, if you come to the Stein House after that happens, I will be dancing around my living room <laughs> if they get rid of gerrymandering. Because, you know, Eric and I, how many times have we talked about gerrymandering? Oh gerrymandering. Gosh. It's like, oh, but how much? The majority of people are for this. Yeah, but gerrymandering. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many things. In fact, the biggest one, which we started the show with, gun laws, policies, gerrymandering is a lot of reason why the minority opinion continues to dominate the law and the policy. And that will go away with this because they will all lose their it's electoral It's interesting ass. how we, we, we fight wars to spread democracy. Yeah. And th- th- there's th- gerrymandering is the exact antithesis of democracy. It is the antithesis of democracy. Thank you for saying that. Another one is uh, the social media and where it's going. Mark Zuckerberg and company, Facebook, put in full-page ads in the Washington Post, New York Times, some other newspapers saying— Finally admitting, thank God we're moving along. This is really good news, y'all, that they uh, were taken over by the Russians. <laughs> That's an, an exaggeration, but uh, a large part of their pro- platform was manipulated and used to create discord. Uh, I think it was Lankford, the uh, congressman who just said a, a week ago about how if you don't think these Russian a- attacks are still active and happening, um, even the again, the Republicans in this hearing spoke. I should have gotten the clip ready today about how after the NFL kneel stand uh, controversy, the Russian bots, they watched them, they, and the troll farms went into high gear and just promoted the most divisive stuff they could find. It wasn't one side or the other. They didn't say, oh, let's do it for the kneelers or let's do it for the flag wavers. They did it. To, they, did, they took the nastiest, ugliest comments and inflated it into social media and tried to vastly put it into the trending. And of course it does. And so the chances that you saw on your feed somewhere a Russian bots f- promoted uh, article that made you angry is, is highly likely. So what are they doing about it? So they are actually getting closer and closer. Um, it, it, unfortunately, Congress is so slow, uh, but they are working on it. And of course, Bob Mueller. You know, division oh, and confusion man. works yes. really well for despots and dictators. Yeah. Fortunately, I have been watching carefully like you have with these hearings, and there's more than enough Republicans. Even Richard Burr, who is in the absolute pockets of the NRA in the past, $3 million, $4 million he's gotten, is still nonpartisan or smart enough, democracy-loving enough to see that this Russian attack uh, doesn't help him or the, his opponent. It just causes chaos and ruins our democracy. And so these folks are on it, and they're paying attention, and they are following up on it, even though there are a number of of Congress people uh, who are trying to stop it because they want to protect Donald Trump, 
because they know that's where it's headed. And I know people think, oh, I said there's not enough information yet. Yeah, no. If you watch it, uh, there's new stuff every day almost. It just doesn't make the front story because, you know, we're busy fighting over the NFL or, or Vegas shootings or Puerto Rico. Uh, but every day, there's something more making it painfully obvious that the that Donald Trump is complete and company and his family and his associates are deeply entwined in Russians and entirely beholden to their wallets. And that is going to be uh, something that, again, the biggest crime against our democracy in American history, in all likelihood, the collusion and the connection and the control of our elections through social media coordinated through Russia and a candidate. It is unfreaking believable. But when our kids, Erica and I, are grow up and learn this in civics class or in, in poli sci, they're going to go, how did we not, how did the, you, my parents not see this? How is this not the most obvious thing ever? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it will be, and it will be obvious. Um, mm-hmm. So can I, return, I guess I'll return to say Puerto Rico for, for one more moment. There was that exchange between the San Juan mayor, uh, Carmen Julian uh, Cruz, who was just... She's went, a heroine. Yeah. Can I, I mean, play a little bit of her? Could play it. All right. She was on, uh, on MSNBC and it's pretty amazing. Well, I said to him, it's not about, it's about saving lives. It's not about politics. Said to him, meaning said, said to Donald, Donald Trump is what she's talking about, of course. Well, I said to him, it's not about, it's about saving lives. It's not about politics. And he didn't respond. But this was a PR 17-minute meeting. There was no exchange with anybody, with none of the mayors. And in fact, this terrible and abominable uh, view of him throwing paper towels and throwing provisions at people, it's really, it, it does not embody the spirit of the American nation, you know. Uh, that is not the land of the free and the home of the brave, that uh, the beacon of democracy that people have learned to look up to, uh, you know, across the world. He was insulting to the people of Puerto Rico. He said something like, Puerto Rico, you really have taken our budget out of whack because of all the money we've thrown here. He kind of minimized our suffering here by saying that Katrina was a real disaster, uh, sort of implying that this was not a real disaster because not many people have died here. Well, you know what? They're dying. Uh, They don't have the medical resources. They can't get to their dialysis. Their oxygen tanks are starting not to work because they don't have generators. Hospitals are are just collapsing because of the generator situation. The diesel doesn't get to where it's supposed to get. Uh, A lot of people are being caged, especially the elderly. And the pictures are there. The news have been uh, a witness to everything that we are saying. Mayors now are starting to talk a lot more about what they are encountering. So, you know, I said this morning that he really has a communication issue. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's yeah. sort of like a miscommunicator in chief. And uh, really, uh, you don't go to another place when people are in peril and are suffering and you just kind of hover around in a helicopter uh, without having uh, some some kind words to say. It's just common Courtesy. Yeah. But his staff, yeah. on the other hand, seem to seem to want to approach this a different way. 
And I want to point out, too, she she went on for a while, I didn't play this whole segment of it, about how the staff was very earnest. And they were trying to go, well, what do you need? What can we do for you? While Donald Trump was just completely busy saying how great it was and telling Puerto Rico to be proud that only 16 were dead. And then, uh, you know, shutting her down because she said it, was polit- it wasn't political. This was about people dying. And even look how forgiving. Here's a lesson in her. Look how forgiving she was. She even gave him the room of saying it's he has a communication issue. Like, to try to imply that he's not a horrible, awful person, but he just has a communication issue. Which, you know, obviously we're looking deeper and going, no, nah, that's pretty much who he is. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's not a communication. I mean, there's so many issues. Right. And so communication is the least of it. But you're right. She's she's very gracious. But, you know, this whole this whole attacking Trump attacking her started, you know, back when um, it was on the Friday before the you know, yeah. she was she's mayor of San Juan and she was in a life preserver with water up to her chest. I don't know if you saw these images and she was walking through with water up to her chest with a megaphone trying to help people to get them to safety because there was no electricity in San Juan and no communication. Yeah. So as this mayor takes it upon herself to go out there with a megaphone to tell people, come out of your homes this way, here's where we need to go, because there's nothing else but megaphones to do this. He started, you know, attacking her by tweet from his golf resort in Bedminster. So she's actually out there on the ground. And, you know, this is not her. I mean, she's the first time she pleaded for help. She she says we are dying here and I cannot fathom the thought that the greatest nation in the world cannot figure out logistics for a small island of 100 miles by 35 miles long. So I am asking the president of the United States to make sure somebody is in charge that is up to the task of saving lives. Yeah, she even gave him that room of saying, look, all these even assume that there was just a mistake. Now go fix it. You know, she's like giving him room to fix it. But <laughs> what a what a talk about a patriot. Talk about a leader. Talk about a, a hero in this circumstance. And. Yeah, we could get into that. Well, you even had his own general who went down there who said that he was not given enough equipment or resources to handle this yeah. job. And that's Trump's own person that he sent down there. Well, Trump there. bragged about 10,000 people being sent there, forgetting that during Katrina, there were 250,000 government personnel and mostly military and National Guard that were there to deploy to a place that was not landlocked by, you know, wasn't it's not even an island. It's, it's a place you could get to and in and out of. So the trick is, what I'm trying but, to say here is we... Uh, well, no, I was just going to say the the other crazy thing is if anybody knows how to navigate Puerto Rico, it's the United States government, because for decades, up to 13 percent of the land of Puerto Rico was military bases, including the largest naval base in the world called Roosevelt Roads. Right. So there was also the Ramy Air Force Base. Um, a strategic Air Force uh, command base was there. So the military, if they were allowed to do it, yeah, if Trump had put the force behind it, absolute experts of yeah. the land of Puerto Rico to get around Puerto Rico. So you can only point to Trump at fault for this for yeah. not deploying 
He could have just gotten out of the way and said, military, what do you yeah. need? What do you need? Do it. And they would have been like, well, Mr. President, we need to do this and this and this. And they'd be like, okay. But he didn't because he was too busy trying to pretend like he knew what was everything was awesome. So the, the final moment, final thing I want to remind you as we go out of that is that don't be baited into feeling powerless to this man. First, notice the awesomeness of San Juan Mayor, mm-hmm. Mrs. Cruz there. Uh, notice their their awesomeness, but also, and then you say, well, I'm not being baited. I don't feel powerless to them. Really? How much is he pissing you off right now? Is, do, do these stories just make you livid? Then you're feeling powerless to him. So we've got to turn that, and we've got to say that this man is an inconsequential annoyance that we are going to rectify, but in the meantime, we're going to help the people who actually want to get things done. We're just going to walk by him and get it done and keep going and keep, keep going keep going keep That's doing do. stand with the people who need to need you to stand with and that is the theme of jeff's world we're going to just keep walking on by the crazy the blame the victimhood and find that back to the higher self the higher purpose the realness the stand truth stand with our brothers and sisters that's what we do i'm eric i'm a, she's erica <laughs> i'm jeff Stein. you wish you were erica uh, Ferris. right wouldn't that be awesome just for, just for a day all right so anyway uh, thank you juan velasquez for putting the show together as he always does this has been jeff's world